Hey, welcome to Answer the Call. My name is Kelsey Kemp. I'm a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their occupational calling, then practically land a job or start a business that's aligned with it, so you could have a meaningful and impactful career that fulfills your highest potential for the glory of God and the good of others. I hope that you had a really great Thanksgiving this past week, but that actually wasn't the only thing, at least I was celebrating. So Answer the Call actually surpassed 10,000 downloads last week, which is just crazy. So I wanted to thank you so much for each and every time that you have listened, rated, reviewed, and shared the podcast with a friend, or reached out to me on Instagram or over email or text if you're a pal, and just to let me know that Answer the Call has impacted your career in any way. I am so, so grateful to have gotten to this point, and cheers to the next 10,000. So Last week, we talked about how to pick your first job out of college, and this week in episode 90, crazy, can you believe it, I will be sharing the slightly more nuanced and developed framework for how you can make a great choice for your second job out of college. To recap... I'll just give you a little overview of what we talked about in terms of my recommendation for how you select your first job out of college. So I shared six main priorities. Um, First, starting with seeking out a role um, with daily responsibilities that you'll at least somewhat enjoy and align at least somewhat with your natural abilities. But most of all, I really recommend that you prioritizing finding a role that has a trajectory you're actually interested in on any level. Like, look at your boss or your would-be boss and their boss and ask yourself if you're actually interested in having a job like theirs one day. I know it sounds a little bit obvious, but I would actually recommend going back. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was way back. Um, My friend Claire Robbie and I talked about the top three mistakes that college students often make when selecting their first job, and you'll get a little bit more context for how this actually is. It might sound like common sense, but it's not so common um, because... I, what I'm saying in this recommendation is that I recommend that you prioritize your fit and interest for the role in the long term uh, and its long term career trajectory over the company prestige or even the company culture that you might find generally uh, like most alluring to try to go seek out a job there over the role itself. So The example I gave last week was if you get a job at a cool company like Patagonia in their accounts receivable department or their customer service department, but you aren't actually interested in the natural career trajectory of those paths and you really don't like your daily tasks at all and you get quite frustrated with them, the allure of the company culture, the prestige of being associated with its name, or even the company perks, um, the bells and the whistles and the wellness benefits and all this stuff, they actually won't matter to you. Um, Like that'll wear off pretty fast if you hate the work itself and are frustrated by the way it's pigeonholed you into a trajectory you're not actually excited to pursue and you might find it hard to make the leap from. Not impossible, but a little difficult. So 
hopefully that gives you some good context into that point. But then second, I recommended that you accept a position that will give you a healthy, a healthy character building challenge. So hint, like get something that's a little bit of a stretch for you. It's um, really good to do something difficult. So get out of your comfort zone um, because this is the time to start putting yourself in circumstances that will start helping you build proof that you could really handle whatever life throws at you, which is the ultimate leverage for your interviews for your second or your third job that you go after. So third, I recommend that you seek out a position that gives you exposure to a variety of people, functions, business partnerships, industries, or other opportunities, etc. So you could have the opportunity to experience bits of different career paths that you may want to dig deeper into in your next job, while also gaining some transferable skills and leverage to allow you access to somewhat of a wider pool of other jobs after your first one. Fourth, almost done, um, I recommend that you seek out something that's honestly a great story. So a job opportunity that clearly builds you both as a person and a professional. Um, this is where I share the concept of building what Dr. Meg Jay calls identity capital in her book, The Defining Decade, that I recommended you read. Um Fifth, uh, I recommend that you prioritize finding a position with a company that invests in your continued learning and development. This is definitely lower on the list because I do believe that you can seek out your own professional development on your own, but it's also really nice if they have opportunities like um, sponsoring your ability to go to conferences, continued professional development courses, um, investing in your learning to specialize in that field if you would like to do that. Um, or even, you know, some companies, they will sponsor you going to an MBA. I mean, that, those are usually quite competitive programs to be able to win that sort of scholarship. And you would have to uh, sign a contract like working for two or three years more for that company after you complete your MBA. But things like that. It's just something to look out for. It's more of a perk. But then lastly, You'll notice I have left culture and fit for the very end, which to me I explained as a given, but debatably, I think at this stage for your first career decision, it is more important to try to score a job that will give you the development opportunities and career trajectory you want, not necessarily prioritizing first and foremost, like the nicest team that you want to hang out with and be buddies with. If you could have both, of course, 100%, I will, uh, I will be celebrating that with you also. Like that's amazing, but um, it is best to prioritize getting a job that will start your career and your resume of accomplishments off with a bang. Um, then you'll have a lot more bargaining power in the next even one and a half to three years um, to select both a great position and a great team that you'll love to be a part of. The key for this first job is really getting you leverage. So uh, to get a summary of my career decision-making framework and selecting your first job out of college, you could download that for free by visiting kelseykemp.com slash first job. In all of this, just to sum it up, Ideally, if you land a job offer that helps you become the professional you want to be and at least gives you the opportunity to really grow and develop some identity capital, go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't already listened to that description and know what it is. But 
Um, really, I recommend that you go after a role that gives you the opportunity to develop that identity capital and get you skills that you enjoy continuing to develop in an area you enjoy learning about you know, then bingo, you hit the jackpot, really. Um, You do not, let me be clear though, have to hit it out of the park with all six elements that I mentioned. Excuse me. But you might be thinking, why isn't she talking about passion and my calling in life and what I am absolutely obsessed with and all this? I know, I know. For like, as a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their calling and practically land a dream job, I would even say that allows you to fulfill it so you could have a rewarding, joyful, impactful career for the glory of God and the good of others. That is absolutely my goal and the high standard and hope that I have for people, especially each and every one of my clients that I work with. You are probably surprised that my six-point priority list for selecting your first job seems rather clinical, austere, maybe just very practical, and because there weren't too many warm fuzzies to be found in it that you heard me say. So here's why. A priceless and irreplaceable part of being able to discern what career path you're called to serve in in the long term is learning about yourself your natural talents, your core values, your personality, preferences, passions, etc. All these different aspects, including some more that I look into with my clients. You can only really learn about yourself in depth in those aspects through experience, which I like real life hands-on experience. So What I often find is that in college, unless you've had multiple internships and some full-time work in those internships, like really dedicating yourself and getting um, that full-time job type of experience, which is different um, than part-time work, um, you're still in the phase of gathering information about yourself and the world. And you're in the hypothesis in research phase of figuring out your career. So for me uh, in college and for many of the college students that I've spoken with since, you might be, you might relate to what I felt and what I see a lot of other people feel in terms of thinking, gosh, everything is just so theoretical. I spend all my time thinking about what I might want to do, what I hope works out and it's understandably kind of paralyzing to look out at the endless opportunities in the world, which I'm grateful that we have, and to say, what do I most want when you haven't had much experience to back it up with I think I like this thing. You have to try it out to see if you actually do. And so that's totally okay and that's natural. So even if you were to make a big career decision about the work you feel called to do for the rest of your life um, coming right out of college, you most likely will change your mind later given more time and more information that you gain through work experience. And that is totally okay and that is totally natural. So Um, Yeah, again, I just want to reiterate, it's totally fine that you're going to change your mind later, most likely. So that's, but I am saying all this to mention that this is why I often only work with 
uh, career coaching clients that have had at least one to two years of full-time work experience after college because they've had the time to gain the critical experience of making hypotheses about who they are and what they want out of life, then to see how that measured up to reality. Then they're able to have a much richer level of reflection and confidence as we work together to reflect on where they've been and where they're called to go next and what specific job best aligns with that. To sum up my point, it is often best and most realistic to select a job right out of college that is just optimized to give you a rich learning experience, not fulfill all of your desires in the world that you're not even 100% that that's what you really want. So if you select a position that is optimized for a rich learning experience, both getting to learn about yourself as well as what you might feel called to do next, given the exposure and the ability to test out and explore more options. But now we're in a podcast episode about how to choose your second job. So we're going to get to the part of this episode where we talk about your special advantage and approach for selecting your second job. And I am willing to bet You've learned a lot about what you do and don't like from your first job if that's where you happen to be at in your career while you're listening to this. So now let's discuss the deeper points of reflection you can consider to make a decision about your next career step. So first, remember that if you're in your 20s, you're generally still going to be in the stage that I talked a little bit about in the last episode. So in summarizing, in giving a summary about the advantage and the characteristics of this stage of your life is that it is a supreme opportunity for continued experimentation, thoughtful character building challenges, calculated risks and pushing yourself while you're still most likely at the peak of your flexibility and freedom from more permanent responsibilities like a family and a mortgage. So you also have the incredible opportunity to rebound from any experiments that don't go well. So in essence, um, you're if you're going after your second job at this point, out of college, you're still most likely in the stage where you're probably in your 20s. And for you, like most people, that probably represents this era of still having the time, freedom, and ability, and the energy while you're young to still, wow, I sound like I am 100. I am 27, but I'm still pushing myself. So anyway, um, it's, you just have this really special ability to push, experiment, and set yourself up so, so well. So when it's more natural to really start specializing and mastering your craft, you will be more likely to find something that you're in love with doing for the remaining decades of your career. If you use this deep experimentation and character building phase really well, given both the elements, criteria, or priorities that I mentioned for selecting your first job, my point is that many of those still apply and will be helpful to maintain in choosing your second job. But now, instead of just priorities and criteria, I'm going to give you a set of questions that will help you refine what you most want to do next so you could find a position that continues to bolster your career potential while 
also aligning more closely with your preferences and aspirations. Hint, you're probably going to like this job a lot more than your first. (laughs) So here are my 10 key questions. I recommend that you seriously reflect on, discuss with friends, and sit on to help you make an incredibly solid and life-giving decision as to what job you'll pursue next in your career. So to get your juices flowing, I like to start at what is often the easiest point for most people, um, because most people have zero problems answering this with great clarity and conviction. Let's talk about what you don't like and don't want to experience again first. So finish this sentence. Never again will I take a job that, and just fill that out. Never again am I going to take a job that, list out whatever it is. And alternatively, it doesn't all have to be things that you've personally experienced. You might see friends experiencing this and you're like, oh, no, I don't want a job like that. So you could also say, never would I ever take a job that whatever, fill it out. So write anything that comes to mind. It could be in regards to company, the company, the culture, your team, your boss, the working style, the nature of the work itself, the hours, your tasks, the industry, anything. Um, This is where you're really just giving yourself space to list out most definitely the finite list of things you don't want to experience and you'll be looking out for in next job opportunities. So in a world of endless options, it's most helpful to start with what you know you don't want, then begin to look at it from the other side of, which is often slightly more theoretical, of what you do want. So I find that this really gives someone a concrete place to start and then we have that foundation to start more thoroughly and objectively assessing their aspirations as well, as well as adding in new information to make their aspirations more determined of what you actually want. So uh, I'm talking in terms of the career coaching sessions that I have with my clients and how we process this. But next, let's talk about the tasks that you're interested in spending the majority of your time doing. Hint, this will inform what types of roles to pursue. So after you go through that big first question of like, all right, let's just let loose on what I definitely don't want to be a part of my next job. Now we're going to start looking at what you do want in a next job in terms of the work itself, the tasks you do on a daily basis, which will inform what roles, what types of roles you're actually going after. So again, it might seem a little weird and a little negative to uh, first approach this from a negative angle, but trust me, it just really helps. So let's first look at the second question. Um, What types of tasks frustrate you? You know, the ones that you definitely know you want to minimize or avoid. Think about the tasks that leave you feel like you are beating your head against the wall or like make you want to put your head down on your desk and be like, no, enough. Or someone, you get an email um, from someone asking you to do something and you're like, not this again. (laughs) Like, you know, that little cringe feeling. So go ahead, list that out. And again, use this as solid criteria for how you're evaluating other job listings that you're potentially going to go after. And also you could ask about these things, you know, in a careful way in any interviews that you are going to be 
participating in next to assess, okay, self, I said this was a deal breaker, so I've got to be honest with myself. Like, how much am I really going to have to experience this in this next job? Is it going to be too much? Like, should I look for a better opportunity? You know, these are the things to consider. So then the next question I recommend you ask yourself along the lines of what tasks do you want to be doing? By the way, this is two of three kind of in this section is what taps, what types of tasks would I love spending the majority of my time doing? Especially list the tasks and activities that you're both interested in and talented at. So think about the tasks that leave you feeling energized and ready to take on more. The final question that I recommend you ask yourself around the type of role and tasks that you want to be spending most of your time doing is what types of tasks have you noticed you experience the most focus, ease, and sense of flow while doing? Like, what are you a ninja at? You you almost just black out and you're like, wow, that was such intense focus. I really nailed that. Like, I loved diving deeper into it. And I had a lot of flow while I was doing these types of tasks. And I kind of just felt like I nailed it without too much effort. Definitely focus more on those. Those are, that's where you're getting into the area of like zone of genius for sure. So pay attention to that. Next, let's work through a couple of questions that may reveal your areas of interest in terms of the subject matter or the aim of your work. You know, this could be the industry or the objectives or mission of the company that, or the team that you want to be a part of, things like that. So fifth question kind of in this list of 10 broader questions that I'm breaking up into categories is what could you talk about research or do all day without even noticing the time fly by? So again, what could you talk about research or do all day without even noticing the time fly by? Six, what are you interested in learning more about? Seven, what absolutely fascinates you? Eight, what are you frustrated with? Like what problems do you want to see solved in the world? Um, Side note on this eighth question. um, I think one of the biggest questions that really caused the turnaround for my career decision that led me from quitting my tech consulting job into starting this business uh, was this question of, gosh, I just, well, the desire on my heart was, I just really want to do something meaningful, meaningful, meaningful. I just like was turning that over in my head so much. Like, gosh, I just want a job that actually seems fulfilling and like it matters to me. And I'm doing something I believe in and it is solving a problem or creating a solution I believe in the importance of. And so over time, it took me a while to figure out, but I realized I ended up needing to turn that question around on myself. And so I asked myself, what problem would be the most meaningful thing that someone could solve in my life? And when I looked at that, I thought, oh, hands down, I wish that someone could relieve my quarter life crisis right now and help me figure out what I am called to do with my life. I would love a sense of direction and feeling like I have a solid process that I could trust and space that I could really relax in and talk with someone that knows what they're doing and can help me make solid career decisions with a lot of confidence and excitement that would predictably lead me to a place in my life where I'm actually 
using my life in a way that I find meaningful um, and impacting others and helping them in a way that I really believe in, uh, that that is a good use of my life and my unique talents, abilities, and opportunities that God has given me. Um, And so anyway, the question I, just as a little side note, that really turned things around for me, I love hearing what really turned things around. And I'm always looking for that in my clients. And that's why I ask them a lot of different questions from different angles that we work through um, because it resonates differently with each person. Like for one person, for one client, um, their calling, it just really is hit home and revealed by exploring a question around what breaks their heart. Like what are they no longer willing to stand in the world? And um, then other clients that I've worked with are more, they're designed to light up when we talk about, um, I don't know, something beautiful that they feel called to create more on the positive end, something like a creative work. Others, uh, their path to understanding their calling is like very logical and linear. Others, it's super spiritual. (laughs) And so, uh, and others do have this moment with God where it just seems like the skies open up and they know exactly what to do. Um, Part of that is an element of my story as well, as well as logic and um, thorough evaluation. But anyway, that's why I wanted to give you a little insight into what question really turns it around for me. So what problem would be the most meaningful thing that someone could solve in my life? And then I realized, oh, gosh, yeah, I don't, that doesn't really exist. Like there's not a service I've found that I really resonate with this in in, in this capacity and a career coach that I would really want to hire. And so why don't I be that person uh, for others? So this is also so random. I'm definitely going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. I don't know if there's any <laughs> anyone, this is not planned at all, who watches The Crown. I'm super into that show right now. But one episode I watched in season four last night was with Diana and Princess Diana and because it's about um, the British royalty, whatever. Uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles and they're having this huge fight and then they have this realization that, you know, anytime that one of us is feeling distant or we're in a fight or we're feeling lack um, or pain from one another, we need to look at what we really want and then give first give that to the other person before receiving it. And I think that was so profound and it actually is very relevant to the model of fulfillment that I think is encoded on each person's brain um, by God's design. I think that the feeling of fulfillment or the feeling in general that you most want, you first have to give that to someone else. And then in this very interesting exchange, you end up realizing that's the way that you receive it yourself. Both tangibly, like maybe you'll receive that act of kindness or that service or whatever from someone else. Uh, Or maybe it's just the feeling you get from witnessing them receive that feeling. So not to get too existential here, but those are some additional thoughts I have for you on how to process maybe something that you're really going to be fulfilled by. Okay, where was I? Uh, Question nine. I did also list out this question I mentioned a little bit earlier of what are you no longer willing to stand in the world? So again, 
trying to figure out what do I want to participate in, solve, or create through as an aim uh, for the tasks that I'll be doing in my daily work. Um, And so I'm asking this from a variety of different angles, depending on what resonates with you most. Like, what are you most fascinated by? What are you obsessed with? Like, what could you research all day or talk about all day? What do you love to see the inner workings of? What do you love to figure out and all of these things? Um, But then also, what are you frustrated with? Or maybe you'll more resonate with what breaks your heart or what are you no longer willing to stand in the world? I said I was going to give you 10 questions. I just gave you 20, but those are really helpful things to think about. So this last and technically this 10th question that I recommend you really reflect on, and it's been so fruitful for many of my clients, is let's just take some time to free flow and get creative and note down any other aspirations or preferences that might not have come up in any of the previous questions that you've sat down, journaled through, reflected on, all these things. So this 10th question, I love this, is just writing on the top of a piece of paper, totally blank, wouldn't it be cool if dot dot dot. And then just go to town on this. Add all the details you want in any aspect of the career you aspire to, the job you must want next, what you want your day to look like, who you want to help, doing what, how, why, all this stuff, in what setting, um, what do you want to be a part of your next job, what what do you want your team to be like or your boss, and just let yourself um, actually, uh, well, I should finish my sentence, let yourself really just have an outpouring of what's really on your mind. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, and just keep on going with that prompt. Actually, this is a question that Marie Forleo posed in her book, Everything is Figure Outable, which is a book that I have bought and sent to many clients. I'm like, you need to read this. It's so good. Um, because, uh, well, one, she was recommending that you go through this exercise of asking yourself, taking on a new fresh sheet of paper each day for seven days, And if you're having trouble identifying what dream you really feel called to go fulfill or pursue um, or what vision you have for your life or what you want to accomplish and all this stuff, just start with every day for seven days, not judging or editing anything that you're saying. Just write out, wouldn't it be cool if, and then go to the end of the page and then do the exact same thing the next day and the next and the next. And after the end of the seven days, she recommends that you circle what you see as common themes or what you had the most energy behind in what you wrote out. So I highly recommend that as well. So, okay, these questions are going to bring up a lot of really meaningful personal data and insights. But how do you find a real job opportunity that matches up with your preferences and aspirations? This is a much more in-depth topic that I teach my private career coaching clients so they can tap into what I call the hidden job market to find incredible job opportunities outside of the LinkedIn, Google, Indeed, whatever job posting rat race, um, where on average it's over 250 applicants per position, when actually there's an incredible network of interesting positions that you you would potentially find much more compelling um, and in alignment with what you really want 
outside of just things that happen to hit Indeed or LinkedIn. Because there's been studies that show that 80% of jobs are filled through in networking and internal referrals. So that's just a teaser at the method and approach that I help my clients take so they could tap into that hidden job market to find really incredible job opportunities they probably had no idea existed um, or even jobs they didn't even know existed that truly are such a good fit for these preferences, aspirations, and the calling that they realize that they're really drawn to. So, um, but after going through all these questions, you might actually already have a job in mind, but if you still are at a loss, you are ready for the next step. So there is no need to get frustrated and feel like you're spinning your wheels on your own. I could help you gain an immense sense of clarity on what job is going to lead your career in an incredibly rewarding and impactful direction you're excited to go pursue and better yet, I could help you potentially shave off months of frustration and dead-end job applications off your job hunting experience so you could land better jobs faster. (laughs) So to learn more and objectively assess if career coaching is right for you, head to kelseykemp.com slash coaching to learn more about my career coaching process, past client success stories, and all that for both my signature deep dive career coaching program, as well as my career clarity kickstart program that you could learn more about at kelseykemp.com slash coaching. So then you could also on that page hit the schedule a free consultation button to get a spot for a fun, no pressure 30 minute call with me to objectively assess in the next week or two. If now is the time to help you, for you to seek out career coaching or some other resource if there is a better fit for you elsewhere. I'm always looking out for that for you. So, all right, you've got this. Life is short. There's a bigger calling and an incredible career story ready for you to go live out. I really hope that this episode gave you meaningful insights of how to pick your next job, maybe your second one, and powerful questions to get you one step closer to it. I will talk to you next week, same time, same place. Bye.